0: Hello, my name is Janelle Johnson-Baker, Vice President of Business Development and Investments at the New Jersey Redevelopment Authority. We welcome you to our Mind Your Business talk series developed by our President and CEO, Leslie Anderson. The topic of this panel is getting your financial house in order, which is critical to All businesses, particularly our small businesses, which we learned through the pandemic. I'd like to take this time to welcome our panelists that we are so excited to introduce. I'm going to start with our Phil Goldfielder of Cross River Bank. We welcome you. We have Philip Woolfolk from the African-American Chamber of Commerce. We welcome you. And we also have Maggie Peters, Small Business Specialist from the New Jersey Economic Development Authority. So just gonna get started and go over some, some of the pressing issues that took place as a result of COVID-19 and, and what we learned. I'm Gonna start with you, Maggie. Um, so the EDA offered a number of programs to assist small businesses throughout 2020, 21, and I'm sure to continue. What do you feel were the most common mistakes that eliminated businesses from seeking approval?
1: I think that um, small businesses sometimes don't have the required paperwork uh, to get through the process of, you know, uh, getting the grant. Um, We had a few grants, and so we did require tax returns and formation documents and, you know, business registration certificates. And, you know, these are all things that... um, you know, you have to have in order, in order to apply, you know, they have to be uploaded and emailed over. And um, I think that that was just a real hurdle for some of the smaller businesses to provide that documentation to get towards a complete file, and then an approval. Including, you know, PPP documentation and different things, we're always looking, you know, to make sure it's not a duplication of benefits, because it was federal money a lot of the time. And we would need to see, you know, documentation on on how much of a PPP you got or an IDLE you got. So I think just keeping your paperwork in order, including just your tax returns and having that all ready uh, for an application was one of the biggest hurdles.
0: Wow. Thank you so much. We appreciate that. I'm going to move on to Phil Woolfolk from the African-American Chamber of Commerce. What would you say are the absolute necessities that small businesses need to ensure that they are secured financially?
2: Well, I think a lot of times we'll start a business based on uh, it might have been a hobby and they want to convert it to a a business, but they're not really managing it the way you would manage a business in terms of going about business development or the, the customer acquisition part of the business how they're going to secure their customers, who their target markets are. So I can't say there's a single individualized thing that they need.
0: Yeah, that's very good. Um, One small thing. Right. And it can just go all the way left. Um, So here's a question I have for you, Phil, from Cross River. Um, How do small businesses obtain access to capital? What advice would you give?
3: So that's a great question. And again, I want to just thank the New Jersey Redevelopment Authority for putting this together. It is so important. You know, what Cross River saw during PPP, and and just to to echo a bit of what Maggie and and the smarter Phil talked about just a moment ago, (laughs) is sort of, of, you know, putting all your documents, making sure you kind of have a plan and a roadmap. I think there were two things that kind of threw, threw people. Number one was we were working from home. So it's not just about having a plan having your documents it's about ensuring that you always have them wherever you are um, i that, that's sometimes a challenge right it's a challenge is running your day-to-day business and, and thinking well i have to keep documents here and documents there but when when push comes to shove and we, we again we shouldn't have it again but you get into a situation where you know you're you're thrown a little bit of a loop right you know not everything is exactly the way you would expect it to be you really need to be prepared for those instances when when you're not even thinking about it. You know, they talk about preparing for a hurricane when it's sunny outside. And right. you say, well, it's sunny outside. Why do I have to prepare for a hurricane? Because that's when you should be preparing for it. And exactly. So thinking about all the things that, that, that Phil and, and Maggie said, sort of even when you think there's a rosy future ahead. But I, I think th- to go to your question more specifically, you know, it is getting harder and harder to find that access to capital. And I want to give a, a tremendous credit to, to Governor Murphy, to, 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 um, tim sullivan at, at new jersey eda for really being creative to find to find where the gaps were in all the other programs right they looked at the ppp program they looked at the eidl program they said well there's there are gaps here for for certain communities cross river sort of did something very very similar we looked you know sort of not just in new jersey but across the country to see who's having trouble accessing that capital and we used our innovative approach to financial services to fill the holes that weren't being served by maybe some of the biggest banks in the country, and sort of via the PPP program, Cross River used innovative opportunities to to the way we like to say it is to democratize the system. Right, anybody who needs access to capital should be able to get it, whether they have a big bank relationship or whether they don't regardless of how big a, 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 a business you are, or if you're just a sole contractor or, or you know, maybe an Uber driver and you just don't have access, that was our job and, and ultimately why we were able to serve so many because there was literally, particularly in minority and rural communities, it was just so hard to access sort of some of the banks who are making it difficult. And so that's kind of where innovation and technology stepped in to help us reach some of those borrowers who needed it most.
0: That's great. And I, I do agree with you, Phil. I know on behalf of the New Jersey Redevelopment Authority, our president and CEO, Leslie Anderson, she did just that. She said, you know what, let's, let's pivot, let's take a step back and let's see why these very small businesses are not getting the assistance that they really need. And in our phase one, she created a 48 hour task force that allowed those applicants to update their leases and to provide fully executed leases, had that been any other program, they would have been declines. And as a result of her taking a non-conventional approach, but then also giving them a deadline, we were able to save 267 businesses, just kind of putting on a different lens and seeing things differently as to what some of the holdups were. And it's not that these small businesses were even intentionally Working on expired leases or unexecuted leases, they were just so engaged with their with their craft and their skill that, unfortunately, sometimes the paperwork doesn't take uh, precedence and. Phil and Maggie, I don't know if you guys have any you know, feedback to that as far as just being on top of your paperwork with the expiration of the dates and some kind of ticklers that can be set to make sure your business registration certificate doesn't expire um, in, in addition to your lease or your financial statements, making sure you file extensions or your tax returns. You know, Any feedback you guys have to offer would also be great.
2: Maggie. Yeah,
1: so I would just say, Janelle, all that stuff, you know, is key, you know, making sure your financial statements are up to date and that you're reviewing them yourself and not relying on, you know, your accountant or your lawyer to ensure that, you know, your financial house is in order. Um, You have to look at that stuff yourself. Also, the smallest things can prevent you from printing your business registration certificate or your tax clearance certificate, you know. The annual reports that you file as a business, you know, just a $50 fee. If you miss one of those, you're not going to be able to print your tax clearance. So you are not going to be able to apply for any of the EDA programs, things like that. And so it's very easy to lose track of that pin or get out of the habit, you know, of updating those reports. Um, But it's just so important, you know, anything with the Department of Labor, um, anything with taxation or Treasury, set a tickler, like you said, Janelle, or just like find a way to make sure that you're looking at that quarterly, at least making sure that you're still in good standing. And then of course, credit reports, credit scores, make sure that you're looking at those, um, make sure that all the activity is yours and that if there are any blemishes on your credit report that you're cleaning those up proactively um, just because these are these are you know hurdles to access to capital You know, hurdles to access to any of the grants or the programs, um, usually public sector programs.
0: Right, right, right. Phil, what do you? I'm I'm speaking to Phil Wolfolk. What would you say uh, you heard in the marketplace for small businesses? What would you think one of the biggest hurdles was with regards to the financial side of it and getting the approval?
2: I got involved during the pandemic. Uh, the, the chamber served as a resource partner with the New Jersey Economic Development Authority and later the SBA Paycheck Protection Program loans on various grants. And on the PPP side of things, the, the, the biggest hurdle in the beginning was just the fact that a lot of the small businesses just did not have adequate banking relationships. And so because they didn't have those relationships in place, they were really not on the on the list of folks that even receive a phone call to get the support they needed. And so where the African-American Chamber, because I have a background in lending, I knew when I first saw the rules that relationship managers were kind of sitting out with those clients being on your list of folks who actually owed your bank money, that those were gonna be the clients to get the phone calls first. And so if you had a, a checking account relationship, even if you have your business is processing payroll through the bank, if you didn't have a relationship in terms of a commercial loan, then you weren't really even on the radar. So we, we tried to serve as a buffer uh, to use, uh, to really be an intermediary to help them get access to capital. Uh, but one of the things we ran into quite a bit, just like Maggie mentioned and, and, and Phil uh, mentioned it as well, is that, you know, when folks come to you and they don't have what they need, it's difficult to to really help them. You know, there are certain documents if you don't have certain things, it just becomes impossible to provide assistance. So like Maggie mentioned in terms of having a tickler, I typically recommend to people that just like you schedule an appointment to meet with a client that brings revenue into your business, you need to have an appointment on your calendar that reminds you of things that are due. And so if something is due September 30th, that I would say September 23rd, there be a reminder on your calendar hey, this is due on September 30th, you know, you got seven days to get it done. And, and if you can manage those, those paperwork deadlines, tax returns, you know, you're sitting there as a person who is eligible for assistance. And then you have people like Phil from Cross River Bank, you know, Maggie from New Jersey Economic Development Authority. You got folks that, that were boots on the ground from New Jersey Redevelopment Authority.
0: Yeah, I I agree. I agree I agree totally. And while they may not have the same resources, there are a lot of things in place like you said something as small as a tickler on your calendar. And maybe you can't afford an accountant to keep your financial house in order, but you can pay a $25 a month fee for QuickBooks, you know, and right. some of these really small businesses you know, we're not familiar with some of these uh, online opportunities just because they are, you know, they're at their jobs every single day from open to close. And when a lot of this took place, you know, they were doing everything they could to sustain their business. And unfortunately, right. you know, they did lose focus on the most important, you know, information that would uh, keep the doors open. Um, Phil right. Goldfeld from Cross River, I think you're, you you want to piggyback off of what the, our other Phil was saying.
3: Yeah, I I couldn't agree with Tim more. And I think that the, the number one, you have to rely on on sort of the resources that are gonna provide you good information. I think what, what a lot of us learn, particularly in a disaster or in, in a situation that we had, there's so much misinformation out there. Well, am I eligible for this? I, I was told by my neighbor that I can get that. You've gotta find you have to find the trusted reliable sources that can give you the right information allow you to understand what what documentation you need because what we found was you know people were running around and so we needed assistance and and more importantly that we looked for partners I mean I tell you there was countless webinars that we did with with the chamber and and with so many other local organizations to simply provide that information and so I I think to what Phil said rely on the resources that are out there um, and do the best you can to to sort of not try to spin your wheels and, and get yourself kind of agitated i think the goal here is to sort of give yourself a holistic look at, at what are the programs that are out there what are the information i'm going to provide what do i have and what do i need and when you, right. think, you kind of break it down like that it makes it easier to manage and to handle
0: i agree i agree and one thing the new jersey development authority did as a result of looking back at phase one, you know, what can we do just a little better that we didn't do the first time? So we created a movement, literally, and we had our team, our interns, whomever, you know, feet on the street. Our president and CEO was out there. We were out there, people from our call center, and we had flyers and we researched, where are we getting not enough applicants, in in what areas. And we went back to the drawing board, we sat down, and the areas that we saw we didn't have a lot of applicants, we literally went feet on the street, we knocked on doors. And instead of giving out a flyer, we created a conversation. Do you have a business registration certificate? This is rolling out in 2 weeks. If you don't, you'll need to get one. You know, is your lease current? Is it up to date? Take a look at it. So we were trying to get ahead of the eight ball by creating this feet on the street and going into those small businesses that were completely unaware that there's assistance out here. And not only is, is there assistance out here, but we're going to assist you and make it smooth and easy with the due diligence in place. And as a result of that, I mean, our our marketing, that direct impact really increased the number of applicants, particularly from those areas that didn't apply in our first round. So I definitely agree with you guys in taking a step back, looking where's the inequities, where's the gaps, what can we do to make things better? You know, and the direct impact um, really, really uh, made a difference in our phase two for the program. Um, so real quick, what would you guys say um, would be one of the biggest hurdles with respect to the small businesses with the timing of the approvals? Like, what would you think is holding or delaying the approvals in order to get money? Because typically they need it more than anybody else. And as far as the due diligence process, what do you guys feel on the lending side um, and the supportive side created some of the big biggest hurdles as far as getting money or information return calls what what did you guys encounter
3: if I can take that if I'll, I'll just jump in very quickly because I, I think I, I kind of had a good example right you know so the nature of banks these days and financial services I think as we all know is, is moving more digital more online Um and don't necessarily operate the way traditional banks, you know, once upon a time did. And so as a good example, where we saw hurdles were when we were going to deposit money once, you know, somebody was approved and we were ready to deposit the money, we needed to see a blank check, right? We need to confirm the account numbers are right. We needed to make sure that that, that the money was going to the right place. We need to see a bank check. Not every bank has blank checks. Not every bank offers checks anymore, right? Not everybody uses a check. And all of a sudden, you know, sort of, and I, I remember because all of us were kind of on the front lines, as you said, you know, boots on the ground, we were just taking calls, anybody who needed assistance, and one of those questions well, I, I gave you a check, I gave you a check, and for some reason, the money wasn't going out to the account. It turns out they were utilizing a bank that didn't actually have bank checks, but you could request a letter from the bank confirming the account number and the routing number, so you could submit that instead. People just didn't realize that, right? They didn't realize they can get that. They didn't realize they can they can access sort of the information. And they didn't realize sort of like, oh my gosh, like who uses checks anymore? And so you kind of have to, you know, sort of understand your financial situation. And, and so again, day to day, you think, well, I'm utilizing this, you know, small business banking service and it's fantastic in, in making sure that I can run my business day to day. But then you sometimes run into the bureaucracies of, you know, government programs, funding programs, sort of different things. And so understanding the nature of the bank you're using and the optionality of, of what they could provide sometimes can make the process smooth and or not so smooth. And it was so until we kind of figured it out, well, okay, now we, we knew, well, if, if we're trying to fund this bank, we know we're looking for this document because we need right. our checks and, and so on and so forth. And so... It was a constant evolving challenge, and mostly because the small businesses just, you know, they weren't aware. They never thought about it before. Right.
0: Oh
1: my
3: right. right. Never thought about a check, and so it you kind of be mindful of your bank and, and the kind of services they offer.
0: Right. I and I can piggyback oh, off yeah. of that. So one of our issues that we had at the New Jersey Redevelopment Authority, as far as getting the money out, so we had our small business lease program, but the recipient of the award was the landlord. So some of our delays were caused by the landlord providing incorrect uh, routing information or the bank account numbers off by a digit or the eight was a six. And so, and you know, was it our fault? No. But to answer the question, those are some of the delays, to your point, that caused the hurdles in being able to get the much needed funds, you know, whether it's by way of a wire or a check, to your point, Phil. Um, so hopefully, you know, people will learn from watching this, these series that the importance of diligent information will also have a lot of precedence in um, how fast the funds can, can be delivered because any incorrect information is obviously going to uh, delay the process with regards to providing this assistance, particularly to these small businesses.
2: Oh, absolutely. You know, another thing that we haven't spoken about that I think adds a adds a layer of complication for the average business is that, you know, the the incidence of fraud has really grown through the roof. And, you know, you have criminals who have become experts at at uh, taking, um, you know, emergency situations and turning it into profits for themselves. And that ends up complicating things for the average honest citizen that's just trying to do things the right way. You know, and so I think sometimes that makes a big difference and that that adds that layer of, you know, why are you asking me all these questions? Why do you need this? Why do you need that? You know, and sometimes it's just to really kind of have a level of due diligence that allows us to really know this is the person we're dealing with. It's 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 a legitimate business. This is the owner of the business and really being able to dot all your I's and cross your T's. So I I don't envy the banking uh, community uh, in that regard uh, with where we are now in this life cycle of, of, of fraud. Um, The good thing is once you're, once you, you have done a a good job as a business individual of establishing a relationship with, with your, with your banking partners, then you, you put yourself in a position where they know who you are. They know how you operate. And, and so, you know, they don't always need to dot their I's and cross their T's to the same degree as they would with a stranger, because one of the biggest things in banking is still know your customer. And, and if you know the customer and you know that that's the person I've been dealing with, you know, this is the relationship we've had. We've lent the money before. They have paid us back. You know, if they're missing this document or that document, we can still close on the loan and we'll be OK. But you're not going to do that for somebody you just met yesterday.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. And and to, to just to add to that, since this topic is getting your financial house in order, uh, this question is for Maggie. So Maggie, how important are updated tax returns, financial statements? How, how important are they to NJEDA with regards to approvals?
1: Critically important. Um, you know, without without accurate financials, without current tax returns, um, we're definitely not able to lend. Um, and even if we were doing a grant or, or on the grant side, it's very hard to understand, you know, the financial position, how much revenue you have, you know, the revenue loss is always something that we're measuring on the grants, like how what was your revenue before COVID? What was it after COVID? What's that delta? Um, so that's a, a grant eligibility um, issue and then of course for any access to capital if your financials aren't up to date or if you don't understand your revenue and if we can't see how you'd be able to pay the pay the loan back it's impossible uh, to give a small business access to capital so critically important.
0: Great great I really really appreciate that and Phil Goldfelder of Cross River, how important is a reserve for a small business as far as the set aside? Cause I know they struggle, right? Medium-sized businesses struggle, but how important is a reserve and what advice would you give to a small business as far as the set aside, particularly during these critical times?
3: Yeah, I, there's no, no one's gonna debate. I think all, all three of us or all four of us would agree. Like it, it is critically important to have a reserve. I mean, but there's real life challenges, right? Cause we Absolutely. think about it as homeowners and as families, you know, we try to, sort of manage our own own books, right? And we all like to think that like, you know, you're going to have money aside, but I think, you know, majority of Americans don't even have $400 saved up in case of an emergency. Let's now think about that and transition that into sort of what a small business should have. And so my advice that I give, and I I talk to small businesses all the time, is that the smallest amount is going to make the biggest difference, right? And there are so many online tools that can help you in this way. And and I'll give you an example. You know, there's a company and there's a, a technology company that enables you to to round up, and it takes that money and it puts it into a savings account, right? You don't even think about it. You know, you spend you know three hundred dollars or three hundred and forty-five dollars on a bill, and it rounds up to the nearest ten, right? And so all of a sudden, five dollars without you even noticing gets sort of put out into a savings account before you even know it, right? A few months, you now have money in the bank, and and the goal is for that to be not you know oh, okay, now I have more money to spend it's meant to stay there, right? It's meant to, you know, earn some interest. It's meant to sort of be that, that net in case you need it. And so you have to find ways where you're almost tricking yourself into, into doing it, right? Because it's hard. We yeah. all face life, we all have bills. You know, it, it's hard to, to sort of determine, you know, when should I save versus how should I pay that bill? It's you've got to find more creative ways to, to get yourself to force that, that savings, to force that, that, that separation of accounts to make sure that when you do need it it is there.
2: Right. Great. Yeah, Great. absolutely.
0: Mhm. Yeah, I agree. And and it's 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 like the uh, the hort and cart example with debt, right? So if you don't have the cash, now you have to rely on your credit card because you're a small business and you need to order um some I don't know if you're a hair slime, maybe you need to order some shampoo and conditioner in bulk and you just don't have the cash. So now you're putting it on your credit card and you're accruing debt on top of debt. And that, too, can be problematic and is very important, you know, in, in today's environment with everything that's going on. And to what you said, Phil, I mean, it, it's hard to save a dollar these days because times are just so uh, critically against us, um, whether it's in our personal life or even our professional life, you know, just getting your hand on a dollar and, and allowing that dollar to grow and multiply is not as easy as it used to be, which is why I'm so excited um, and passionate about this topic and about these podcast series, because I learned something just from you saying the round up like that to me is it's it's that's vital to anybody if your 4 dollars can turn into 5 you just gained an extra dollar and if you continue to do that and and you stay disciplined and the money continues to grow you've already set a reserve without even realizing what you're doing so that that is uh, oh, yeah. that is very good insight that you provided to all of us today
2: oh yeah and that's and that's critically you know important and it's it's the it's the combination of discipline and consistency uh, but really creating creating a system that is automated where you really don't see it or don't think about it, you know, whether it's a few dollars going into a mutual fund or going into some account that's not, you know, connected to your ATM card, you know, you don't think about it, you don't see it, but it becomes your emergency fund. And then when you actually have an emergency, the funds are there. And And one of the things I've learned over the years that, that, I, that I, I always say and um, try to communicate to people is that the better prepared you are for an emergency, the fewer emergencies you have, right? Yeah. So, you know, if you, if you have nothing put away for an emergency and you need to replace a tire on your car, it's an emergency. <laughs> but if you got $5,000 sitting in your reserve account and you need to replace a tire on your car, it's two hundred dollars and you have five thousand. So it's not an emergency. Right. So the more prepared you are for those those things that typically come up, you know, we we, we you know, we, we we have a life that things just happen. Uh, but the more prepared you are for those things, you know, the less of a of a headache it is or, you know, you're not under a lot of stress because your emergency fund for a lot of people with without having reserves is your credit card. So, you know, you, you owe $2,000 and now you owe 2,500 because your emergency went on your credit card. And before you know it, you're, you know, 21%, you're paying interest and you're paying, you know, minimum monthly payments. And you look at your statement and every month your bill is going up, even though you're making payments, it's, it's a vicious cycle of, of just getting nowhere fast. So it's, you know th- these are things that people have to come to grips with you have to sometimes change your mindset uh change what's important to you sometimes if it's worth having you know put the money aside and save it and then when you when you have the money in the account to pay for it then you can go pick it up
0: great advice great advice
3: let, let me just say one thing if you'll allow me and sorry janelle is, is i won't get too deep into it but not all debt is the same and I right think going to what you just said sort of people. Sometimes debt is necessary, right? It's, right. It's, but sometimes it's necessary to run your business. And I, I talk about this all the time. You know, I want to borrow $10,000 to put another chair in the salon that's going to, you know, earn me $100,000 next year, right? And so, right, you want to make sure that, like, you need it, right? And so, but the question just becomes, where are you going to get it? Um, and not all debt is created equal. And So small right. businesses really need to understand the loans they're getting, the terms that are, are there, what kind of payments are going to be due, what the interest rates are, you know, again, it is so critically important. Sometimes someone hands you a lifeline and you're so excited to get it. You don't realize sort of what's lurking beneath. And, and, And it turns out it's not a lifeline. It's actually, you know, something that's going to sink you even deeper.
0: Right. 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 And I agree, Phil, as a matter of fact, debt sometimes is actually the better way to go. If you see something and you need it for your business and it's a thousand dollars, but they give you 12 months to pay that thousand dollars off. You don't have to put all your money on the table and you can pay a hundred a month. And in that meantime, you've realized, wow, and I've saved 800, but then you're also not accumulating interest because you were disciplined enough to pay that amount and agreed financing off without the interest. So to all small businesses, just so we're not confusing anybody, if you have the opportunity to purchase something with favorable terms of financing before interest accrues, we also recommend that that would be a good way to go if it works for you. And the payments align with whatever your, you know, your your monthly budget is. We definitely think that that would be a good idea rather than putting that thousand dollars on the table where you can spread right. it out maybe over 10 months or six months or, you know, whatever um, the agreement is. Uh, I And I do have an important question for everybody. I know our time is a little close um, and I don't want any answers rushed. I'm going to start with Maggie. Um, so Maggie, what would you say? And we can just all chime in. What key advice would you suggest to any small business that's watching this podcast series right now? What advice would you get to that small business so that their doors are open 5, 10, and 15 years from now?
1: I would say just make sure that you're the one That's involved in your affairs. Of course, if you need an accountant or a lawyer, um, but just make sure that you are involved in all of, you know, whatever professionals you hire, you're involved with them. Make sure that you are monitoring your credit reports and make sure that annually you are looking to make sure that you are in good standing with taxation, with Department of Labor. Make sure that you're filing your WR30s and that your your house is in order period, not just your financial house, but your house is in order. So if an opportunity presents itself, you're ready.
0: Thank you so much, Maggie. And I am going to go see Phil Wolfo. What advice would you offer today to our small businesses throughout the nation to keep their doors open 20 years from today? What would you tell them?
2: Uh, I I would say if you're a small business, especially if you are a a sole proprietorship, single member LLC or small corporation, that you want to you put plans in place and try to ex- execute on those plans to transition from the individual that's working 100% in your business to having the resources to bring someone on board to help you with business development, to help you with customer acquisition, So you can really elevate yourself to a point where you can really spend time working on your business, because I can tell you that the businesses that are are profitable and sustainable and that are around over the long haul are typically businesses where the the president, the CEO, the leader of that organization gets to spend time on the business and they're not spending 100 percent of their time working in their business. If you're spending 100% of your time working in your business and you're doing that consistently, and you don't have that mindset to grow the business beyond that, what I've seen is that a company that is making $100,000 a year, let's say, where the individual is spending all their time working in the business, 10 years from now they'll be at that same threshold. It's difficult to get beyond that. You reach a certain a certain ceiling, a certain point. That is it's very difficult to get beyond that because there, there are only so many hours in the day. And if you're spending all of your time working in the business and no time working on your business, it, it's very difficult to sustain that over time and to grow that beyond what your capacity is to contribute on an hour-to-hour basis for your revenue generation. So that that's what I would say. You, you have to make uh, beyond that you 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 need to build a resource team so that you can work on the business so it can grow.
0: Thank you so much, Phil. And last but not least, Phil Goldfelder, what would you tell our small businesses? What's the best advice that you would give to keep these doors open?
3: So I, I talked about this earlier. I think sort of what Cross River was able to do and what we do every single day and, and was personified sort of during the pandemic was we, we merge the trust and reliability that you want in a community bank with the innovative offerings of a technology company. And as Phil mentioned earlier, you know, not everybody has that bank relationship, right? If you have a bank relationship and you know a banker right? And you work with them all the time. And so when it comes to a pandemic, you, you have someone to lean on, you have someone who's going to help you with the grant applications and so on and so forth. But what happens when you don't? And so I urge people to, to and small businesses who need that assistance, to look to new tools. But again, similar to debt, not all technology companies are created equal, right? And you want to make sure that you know who you're working with, you know who the company is, you know who the technology company is on the front end, but also, right, sometimes it's important you read the fine print, right? Who is the bank on the back end? And I, you know, again, as a, a shameless plug, right, like when you see Cross River at the bottom, you know that we're a, a local New Jersey community bank that is offering, you know, the best possible products that we can to ensure the people who need it most are getting that service. Because what's so interesting, what we would think is intuitive, right, the people who would need it most are going to get it first, right? But that's unfortunately not the way it works. The people who need right. it most are at the back of the line. And the and technology companies are looking for ways to, like I said earlier, to democratize that system, to ensure everybody who needs access to resources gets it. And so that's what we're trying to do. And so you have to always, and, and you've heard this so many times through this through this call, you have to know the companies you're getting into business with. You have to know the people you're, you're, you're dealing with and you have to have a lot of, uh, uh, you have to be prepared to ensure that you can, have the best outcomes.
0: Thank you so, so much. On behalf of the New Jersey Redevelopment Authority, President and CEO, Leslie Anderson, we'd like to thank our panelists for joining us today with regards to, as Maggie said, not only just our financial house, but getting our whole house in order as a small business. Thank you so much, it's been a pleasure. My name is Janelle Johnson-Baker, Vice President of Business Development and Investments. Many success to our small businesses. Thank
2: you. Thank you. Great to be here.